Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. My guest today is Zach Shiner. And Zach Shiner, is, he's just one of those guys. I've been very fortunate to know Zach for the better part of almost now 15 years. And Zach is just one of those people who does a little bit of everything and he does all of them at an extraordinarily high level. And having someone like Zach come on the show can only serve to help us drive the work that we're doing at Explore the Space. Zach is an emergency physician. He is the vice chair of emergency medicine at Sharp Memorial Hospital, where I did my clinical work for about a decade. He runs the ED ECMO podcast, and that is a, a, an amazing world of emergency department-based resuscitation. And he and a couple of his teammates have helped drive some stuff that has really changed the face of ED-based resuscitation. He is the course director for an amazing conference called Reanimate, which is built around that. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Zach also does a ton of other stuff that we've talked about on the show. He is a, an ultra runner. He's a triathlete. He's got the Boston Marathon coming up in about a week and a half, but he's here today. And we are going to talk about yet another thing that Zach is involved in. And this is an extraordinary conference called Emerge 2018. Be a doc in a decade. Zach, we've got a lot to talk about. Welcome to Explore the Space. Um, Mark, it's great to be here. It's great to see all that's gone on with your podcast. It's so exciting. So we could go in a lot of different directions, but I want to hone in on a conference that you are the chairperson of have helped to found because you are breaking really, really important ground with this. Tell us about Emerge, the conference. Sure. So the conference is designed for high school students. It's designed for even maybe some people that are early in college, but people are trying to kind of figure out their way in the world and figure out what they want to do. And I think the driving force here has been a couple different things. One is when I was going through school, I had some idea of what I wanted to do, but I had very little experience, very little uh, hands-on, very little like tactile understanding of what happened or what it means to be a physician. And so I thought, hey, let's let's try and make this happen. And it, and this was kind of born out of. You talked about a little of the things that I do, but I speak at a lot of conferences. And two, maybe three years ago, I got asked to speak at this conference in Massachusetts, uh, the National Association of Future Physicians. And it's a 9,000 high school student conference. So you're, you're talking in a stadium, which is pretty cool. But out of that, I realized that they get, this conference gets the most amazing speakers. They get, you know, the first face transplant. They get the bionic eye. But the, the, the downside of it is that you're sitting in a stadium and that you're really not getting hands on. And so we said, well, as a kind of a follow up and with all that we've done with reanimate and the hands on simulations, maybe we could bring this to high school students. And so this year we're doing our first one. And so far it's been, uh, exciting and and I think contagious for a lot of the people that have started to get involved with it. What you're doing and the reason that as I'm listening to you talk, I am smiling. And as I looked at your website for the first time, I was like, oh, of course, Zach is doing this. You and the people that are involved in this, you are seizing the narrative. And what I mean by that is 
the perspective that I think people have for our generation of physicians and perhaps the generations coming up behind us and probably the generations that came before us, there is a sense of what is it like to be a doctor right now? What does it take to become a doctor? And I would suggest that a lot of that narrative is not positive. It is not helping high school students, college students, people who are unsure to feel inspired, to feel that sense of being a doctor is an aspiration. Being a doctor is a privilege. Being a doctor is an extraordinary profession. You are reclaiming that narrative by giving students, learners, people who are interested, the opportunity to get right next to the stuff that we do. And I think it's brilliant. I just, I think it is such an intelligent approach because we teach each other all the time. We keep each other motivated. We talk to each other. We learn together. We have got to reach back to the generations that are coming up and get them excited about this, get them motivated, get them thinking there is nothing else I would rather do than the work it takes to become a physician. And it's things like Emerge it's that are going to make that happen. Uh, so much that you said right there just, yeah, uh, speaks to me. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm actually, when I kind of think back, I'm not really sure how I decided or you know came to the pathway that I did. Um, but, but, yeah, like you said, a lot of it was negative. A lot of it about surrounding physician, at least when I was going through, was, oh, don't do that. You know, medicine is changing. And, and yeah, of course, medicine is changing for forever. But until I got even into residency, I didn't realize how cool what we do is. I mean, how, how life-changing it is for the people we serve and how amazing it is just as a um, you know, purely selfish career I love what I do. I, I really, I can't imagine myself doing anything other than what I'm doing right now. When we think about who should be the person to start driving this forward so that high school students get a sense of energy and enthusiasm, hands-on stuff, doing procedures, what does it feel like to suture, what does a chest tube set look like, how do we do this work? I could not have handpicked someone better than Zach Shiner, uh -huh. so I'm, I'm delighted that it's you. Let's get into it, though. Let's look at, okay, the conference, June 29th of this year. It's at UC San Diego. It's a one-day show. A lot of the faculty that are coming are people, obviously, you know really well, folks that I worked with really closely when I was with Sharp in San Diego, extraordinary doctors, incredible teachers. But more than that, they are fun folks. These are people who tell great stories. They've seen everything. Yeah. They, they... Well, you tell me. I mean, I have a, I have a sense of what's going to happen. What is your vision for a learner signs up for Emerge? They go through the curriculum. What is your vision of them walking out to their car, walking back to their hotel room, walking back, going back home, getting picked up, whatever it is? What is your vision of the look on their face and the feeling that they get coming out of this conference? I think they're going to be super jazzed. I, I mean, I've, 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 I've already had a couple of them over to my house just yeah. to kind of go through the Sims and make sure that they're they're working okay. Yeah, they are floored, and they're floored by some of the the things I wouldn't have expected at all. Like even the the, the central line wire, the fact that it has a you know a J tip and curves at the end, and it, and it automatically goes back every single time. That. This is like so cool to them, and, and it's something that we just see all the day, all the time, and I take for granted. And, I, and actually, you know what? I think this gets back to a point that, that probably is worth making, is that this is as important for the docs that are teaching as it is for the students. Meaning that when I went out and started giving these talks at, in Massachusetts, I'm going to do my third one here this summer, is 
I came back a different person. Like these, the students that were, were coming up to me and just like, first of all, thought I was a rock star, which of course I'm not. I'm just normal guy. And secondly, they, they, they give you the, they make you go back to the idea of how important what you do is. And to get you to give you the sense that, Hey, it took a lot to get here, but you've also been given, um, a calling that has such high purpose. And so when some of the, we get into the, some of the mundane things, you and I, Mark, have worked together for years and you get kind of into the bog of, of trying to deal with a certain patient or the difficulties of, of social issues. Um, you you got to get the, the 40,000 foot perspective and realize what I do is so valuable and so special. And so uh, I think this is going to be equally joyful for the, for the people who end up getting to teach it as well. So take us through now, we're going to, we want our learners to come out of this with a sense. And I just love that you said a sense of joyfulness, a sense of joy around this profession. What is in the curriculum that is going to give them that sense of joy, anticipation, that sense of there is nothing else I want to do. This is incredible. And I'm prepared to do the work because there's work to be done to become a physician. It doesn't happen. It's not the matrix where we just plug the chip in the back of our head and we're done. What's in the curriculum that's going to pull those levers so that the people that are going to be our physicians in 10, 15, 20 years, we're going to light the fire on June 29th. Yeah. I I think people are going to get the sense that this is, that being a doctor is more than cerebral. Yeah. That that there is a, a part of of medicine where you where you need to think about things, and there's a part of medicine where you have to have tactile skills, and then there's a part of medicine where you you need to be a psychologist. You need to understand society in a way that that few other people in the world need to understand because you need to understand every different part of society. So our conference, I hopefully will give them a sense of all three of those aspects. Certainly the hands-on part will be um, a big focus and they'll get to see, you know, what it's like to suture, what it's like to put in a chest tube, what it's like to do a burr hole, uh, a craniotomy. I've actually got, I can't, not a solid on this yet, but there's a good chance that they're going to be able to put in some valves um, with with Dembitsky CT surgery. So that's, that's going to be amazing. <laughs> I love it. I uh, know. I want to do that one. Like, I, I do want too. To come and teach me how to put a valve in a heart. I do too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So just to set so, the tone, Dr. Dembitsky, Walter Dembitsky, he's a colleague that we worked with at Sharp. There are not many people in the world who have done more implantations of artificial heart valves in human beings in the world than Walter Dembitsky. And he's going to be at this conference. That is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, Walt is, I mean, he's been such a great person for us in so many ways. One of the the main reasons that I got catapulted into resuscitation in the first place was thanks to Walt and his willingness to let us start doing ECMO in the ER. And so Walt is just, I mean, he's, he is an amazing individual. One of the things that I love about the faculty list that you have here, and just so we can set the stage properly, folks can learn about the, the, the conference at emergetheconference.com. And we'll put that out on social media and we'll put that out with this podcast episode, but emergetheconference.com is the website. As I scrolled through the faculty, I saw people I did residency with. I saw people that I learned how to be in attending with. I saw people that I helped mentor when they started. I saw people that I learned from because they're the best at what they do in the entire world. It, it gives me that sense. And I think that one of the amazing things that maybe 
I would hope is one of the unintended consequences of this, or maybe it's intended because you're really smart, is helping people understand that medicine is a world unto itself where you will connect and reconnect and reconnect with the same people for the rest of your life, whether they're docs, nurses, administration, it doesn't matter. You are entering a community where we are all only one or two degrees of separation from each other. And that's one of the things that honestly, I love the most about this job that I can find out or learn about or be connected with someone through somebody I already know with the snap of my fingers. And I love that about being a doctor. That's hilarious. Mark, I, I think you might be the uh, Kevin Bacon of medicine. I think, probably, <laughs> I think there's probably only one or two degrees of separation of every doctor in the entire world to Mark Shapiro. <laughs> that's that's the project. That's what we're working on. Absolutely. <laughs> is that something that you thought about, though? I mean, your your faculty list is very diverse. It's different specialties. It's men and women. It's people from different racial backgrounds. It's people with different goals, people at different places in their career. Was that an intentional thing to create a faculty that is representative of healthcare, that we are extraordinarily diverse. Uh, you know, I, no, I didn't, I didn't go into it trying to, you know, pick different races and special, I did pick different specialties because I wanted them to get a sense. So we've we actually got a few more people even than that's on that list. We're going to have a trauma surgeon there, uh, interventional radiology, CT surgery, quite a few emergency doctors. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it just, the faculty is reflective of what our careers are, is that it is a very diverse group of people. Yeah. Yeah. You're also UCLA heavy on your faculty. And for me, that delights me for you. I don't, <laughs> I, that might be a little painful given that you're a USC guy, but I think that's very well done. And I don't think you can go wrong there. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Good, good. So what's the run up to the conference? You're several months away. Where are we now with getting students ready for it? What steps do people need to take to actually become a part of this Emerge 2018? Oh, I think, I think we're well on our way. We've got, uh, got tons of students signed up. Um, we're probably going to have to uh, cut registration fairly soon here, depending on, on how the next couple of weeks go. Uh, we've got more faculty than I could use, and and that's a joy to me because I do not want the faculty to be faculty to feel like they're you know having to work too hard during the day. I want them to enjoy it, and we've got volunteers out the out the wazoo for just uh, letting us be able to get the sims prepared and and turned over. So we I think we're in great position to make this this first one a success. So if we Take what we know about what's going to happen and the amount of enthusiasm that's happening and the fact that obviously anyone from anywhere can come. They don't have to live in San Diego. What's the, what's the five-year plan here? Uh, because mm. I think you are stepping into a really interesting place with this. And I think that it's an open corner, this sort of motivation, this idea, be a doc in a decade and imbue that sense of purpose, that sense of joy. What, what do you expect practically and aspirationally what's going to happen with this yeah you know I've, i'm actually realizing that i'm kind of talking so much about me here and and this conference is really not about me it's uh i would say i would give massive kudos to both andrew eads and my wife wendy who have really made this happen i mean wendy has been uh she's was a high school teacher. She she loves the students, and she's been so involved with uh, with 
going to different schools and, and talking to them about being a doctor and, and, and then getting them excited about the conference. So I, I probably should start with that if we're going to talk about where we're going in the future, is that both Wendy and Andrew are even more involved with this than me. So uh, the combination of the three of us, though, has been has been a cool teamwork. So moving forward, uh, I think we'll take it one step at a time. I think that this, it seems like the demand is is there. And uh, if we can get students and they enjoy it the first time, then I think we'll go back and just keep keep adding to it. Just like reanimate is that each time, each iterative change that we do makes it a better conference. And so for 2019, we'll probably have, uh, you know, totally different sims, a whole new set of lectures, and twice as good, but uh, we'll have to take it one step at a time. I think the one step at a time is fine. I think they're going to be big steps, though, because you're going to find people, I imagine, reaching out from other parts of the country saying, what you're doing is great, and we have high school students, too. <laughs> and what's the template? How do, we, how do we launch this in Los Angeles, in Houston, in Miami, in New York City? You can just see that there can be some real momentum, because I do think that there is an untapped resource of physicians wanting to shake off some of that, like I said at the beginning, some of that malaise around our profession and get back to saying, this is why our profession's great. I want to share it with you. There are some challenges, of course. I mean, this is not a pie in the sky thing. It's it's a hard job and there's some real challenges associated with it, but it's there's still nothing like being a physician, nothing like being a doctor. And I think getting that word out there is going to be invigorating, not just for the high school students, but for doctors and nurses as well. Yeah, so this this actually a little question that you brought up that I'd like to to actually maybe talk about a little bit. And we'll see if this where this goes. But when you were going into medicine, Mark, what what was the decision? What was your yeah. thinking? It's, How did that play out for you? I've been thinking about exactly that honestly over since I you know learned about the conference and you and I were planning to have this this exact discussion. What did it for me? I'm actually a third generation physician. My grandfather in South Africa was a doctor for his whole life. My dad was a physician for his whole career as well. So for me, medicine was always something that was painted in a really positive way. My father loved his career. My family embraced the fact that my dad was a doctor. It was always a positive thing. So my perspective on it was a good one. I wasn't in that milieu of medicine is terrible. It's really difficult. The people are rough and it's changing and all of these sorts of things. It was always a positive thing. When I started college, I really did not know what I wanted to do. And I thought maybe I'll be a sports writer. Maybe I'll be a history professor. I had the opportunity though, to work doing patient transport in radiology at Santa Rosa Memorial Hospital the summer after my freshman year of college. And that was it. It was that cumulative two and a half months of being, being in the trenches in a hospital every day, interacting with patients, talking with them, even just to introduce myself. Hello, my name is Mark Shapiro, and I'm here to take you for your chest x-ray. But those dynamics were so fun. I got to see amazing stuff. I got to interact. And then I learned that the things that I like, the things that help me feel good, confident, and excited are all there. I get to be part of a team. There's an amazing collegial atmosphere. These are really smart people that push themselves, and that's what I want to do. Uh, so it helped me get that sense of, not just the science, but this idea of being a part of a team, being a part of something special, being a part of something where we're working on behalf of someone else, that was it for me. And that all being said, 
a lot of it too was being in the emergency department and seeing exactly what you're going to do at this conference, seeing chest tubes get put in, seeing NG tubes put in, seeing an unstable patient get stabilized, this sort of stuff. It's like, boy, in the moment, right? This is, this is unbelievable. So for me, it was that. And I think it's, it's a really important question. And as you go back to other doctors asking them that, you know, and, and harvesting that, like, what did it? I think is valuable. And I'll ask you the same question. I mean, for you, you've come so far in your career in such a short period of time. And look, let's be honest. We're all pretty high achieving people. Most of us could have gone a lot of different ways. You could have done anything. Uh, I mean, Zach Shiner could have gone 12 different directions and excelled at any 12. For you, I mean, let's put it the same question back. What triggered your interest and your desire to chase this down? Uh, yeah, mine was was not a straight path. I, I did engineering as an undergrad and I was a minor in business. So I was kind of, uh, you know, not, not totally into medicine. I mean, I was into medicine, but, but not sold on medicine. And I think what it was for me was there were so many negative things. I kept hearing negative things about, about going into medicine. And so even though looking back on it, it's the perfect fit for me. And it's emergency medicine is like the perfect fit for me. I, I, uh, I didn't. I couldn't see that with my high school eyes, with my college eyes. I couldn't see it. Even at at the end of college, I ended up accepting a job to do consulting, and uh, and then ultimately, thankfully, uh, decided to go to med school. So there was a there was a a number of different decisions there that that fortuitously went in this direction. But uh, I similar to you, I think that it took for me to kind of see it before I actually uh, wanted to go full on. I mean, th that's interesting because your father and your father's father is a physician. So you were around it your whole life. And yet you're, you're isolating to a time when you actually went into the hospital and you were able to do it yourself as kind of the, the main contributing factor. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that we all follow, I think it's easy to fall into the trap of that going into medicine, there is one path and you will follow the one path or you're not going to mm -hmm. get there. And that yeah. just could not be further from the truth. That is, uh, and, uh, but I think that it, that is still part of the malaise that when people think about medicine, it's, I have to major in biochemistry and I have to jam through undergrad and I go straight to medical school and I'm going to get punched in the face over and over again. And actually the, the, the trend is to find people who have followed what used to kind of colloquially be called the non-traditional pathway. That's the traditional pathway. Now it's people <laughs> who've done lots of stuff, right? I got my degree in history. I was a sports mm -hmm. writer. I have a podcast now and I'm a doc that the, the, we we've been able to meet people who you could go down the, the list of your faculty and the experiences and backgrounds. You will not find two that are the same. Mm -hmm. and giving people that sense of, Hey man, be curious, go try stuff, go learn, go, go sort it out. And you will find if medicine is your calling that you're going to circle back to this. I think that's a powerful message. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So I think it is important that we can also, you know, we talked a little bit about this wonderful network of medicine and how we are also connected. And I was delighted to see, on your faculty list, our teammate and colleague, Russ Reinbolt, and he's our teammate in more than one way, right? He's an ED doc. So we all work together, but he was our teammate because he was our entree into the Badwater 135, which has become a big part of this podcast. I've had a couple people who've done the Badwater on the show now, 
And Russ has done it. I don't know how many times he's done it now, but he's the one that took us out into Badwater, California for this incredible adventure. And, you know, I, I, I think it's just so great that this sort of connectivity, the stuff that really sealed our friendship, we were already buddies, but this was the stuff that really made us good friends. Seeing Russ chase something that is so hard to do, allowing that to be part of this conversation, allowing people who are in high school to see when you come into this profession, again, you're, you're going to connect with people on so many different levels, your patients, your teammates, doctors, nurses across the board. Was that something that you were thinking about that I want people to see the whole world of medicine or is it, Hey, I want you guys to sit down and I'm going to teach you how to suture, put in a chest tube, you know, intubate this sort of thing. Oh, well, I, I got to go back to the bad water comment. That, <laughs> that, that, that experience has got to be one of the top times of my entire life, Mark. That was, that was such, such a fun time. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember your dad, cause we, we ended up consulting him in the, like, I think it was <laughs> one right. o'clock in the morning <laughs> That's trying right. to figure out renal function on Russ. That's right. We're all sleep deprived. We hadn't slept in 30 uh, hours. <laughs> so much fun. That was amazing. Uh, but but absolutely, like getting back to your main question, like the the idea here is that in when you're a high school student, all you hear is you're gonna work to death. Yeah. You're gonna work your life away. Why yeah. would you wanna be a doctor and just just suffer through the rest of the next forty years? And that's that is so far from the truth. There is no there's not even any physician out there that I know that is working to death, at least at sharp. I mean, I'm sure there are people that uh, you know have various pathologies, but you can you can get away from it. And Russ Reinbold is a perfect example. I mean, the guy runs for for weeks at a time. He just signed up for a 240 mile race. And and Mark, you're actively involved in all kinds of things, podcasts, and I'm actively involved in all kinds of things. And and so I I do want the students to realize that there is way more than just your job. Uh, when you become a physician. And and actually, one of the things that speaks to this most highly is the fact that I can get so many physicians that come out and volunteer a day yeah. to teach high school students. Yeah. I mean, that just shows how how not only my, how much do they love their careers, but also that that they are willing to teach you know people on their day off. I, I, that's a really important point that this is a whole group of people who I bet you, you didn't have to do a lot of arm twisting as well to say, Hey, here's the opportunity that people are like, Oh, sign me up. I'm in, this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think about this idea of harvesting from our teammates, our colleagues and kind of cataloging and dispersing this? What prompted you to go into medicine? What was the story? Have you thought about that and kind of bringing that as, you know, uh, I don't know, like a, a common ground, a place for people to kind of congregate and share stories and ideas so that people who are in this position of being a high school senior or a college freshman to, to start to get a sense of, Hey, where do I maybe put myself? I can't go to emerge this year. I can't go next year, but look at all these different things that people did that brought them into the world of medicine. Maybe I'll go try something like that. Has, has establishing that sort of open marketplace of ideas. Can that become part of this discussion? I love that idea. I, I haven't really thought of doing it as of yet, but yeah, to have us all sort of share our experience. There, there, uh, the introduction to each speaker is in classic uh, 
you know, emergency medicine style is going to be loud yeah. and it's going to be <laughs> colorful with videos and things like that. And so, <laughs> so yes, you will get a sense of what each of the faculty is like from the students will get that sense, but, but to, to put it into a story format, that would be, that would be compelling. There's nothing more sticky than stories. You know, our, our colleague from, from, from sharp Steve Beeson, right? That's his thing. And when mm -hmm. he's out all across the country doing work with organizational improvement and clinician experience, it's about the stories. It's not the fancy PowerPoint slide. It's what was it that, you know, for Walt Dembiski, what was it that keeps him doing this work and this far into his career, still innovating, still wanting to get better, still wanting to figure out the newest ways to do X, Y, or Z. What, what lit that fire? Because that story should be shared. People should be able to access it. Hopefully they can come to the conference, but to be able to access it in a way where they can still learn from it, even if they don't come to the conference, I think that that's going to be a contributor. That's going to help generate this next wave of physicians, right? We know that there is a physician shortage in the United States. We need to mobilize the generations behind us to get excited about this profession. And we need to do it in numbers to, to meet the needs of our country and uh, mm -hmm. our population as it ages and you and I, as we age. So we need to mobilize people. And I think we need creative thinking and ideas like emerge conference to start to, to stimulate some of that. One of the things I think is interesting. If you just look at, you hear about physician burnout a lot and you yes. hear about physicians exiting the workplace. And I think it's a little bit tough for me to have a good perspective on it just because I don't really see it. I don't see it like the numbers play out. And I, I see much more commonly people like Walt, uh, people like Keith Cortman, people um, probably like your dad. I, I don't know the story completely, but but people who are working well beyond when they need to work, right? They don't need to, Walt doesn't need to work anymore. He's, yeah. uh, you know, he's in his seventies and, and he is so happy being a CT surgeon, uh, even into his seventies. And so it's, it's, it becomes a call. I mean, it's more than a calling. It is something that you, you, you continue to enjoy throughout all your decades of life if you turn out to be that type of physician. I mean, I guess there are a few physicians out there that really exit the, the field in, in uh, angry. But my experience is that that's the minority. And I think that what you've just identified is important where I think that while we're trying to motivate people who are 16, 18, 20 years old to do what we do, that in doing so, we may well learn to rediscover some of that love and joy and excitement mm. and that, okay. I mean, look, as much as I love being a doctor, there are days where it is really hard and it wouldn't be fair for me to say, I never come home thinking that was an absolutely brutal day. And it can be brutal for a lot of different reasons. It can be brutal because of administrative challenges. It can be brutal because I was busy. It can be brutal because we had a really challenging case. There's a, or all of them on the same day. And that's in balance. So that's part of the challenge. That's part of the love. That's part of the calling. And I think hopefully in sharing these stories, right. And starting to harvest some of this stuff and getting people fired up, we can fire up some of our, we can fire our, ourselves up. We can fire up our teams a little bit as well. I, I think you hit on a really important point. And I actually have this in my talk when I go out to Massachusetts is the concept of 
uh, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> and, uh, and just that feeling of potentially hurting somebody or actually hurting somebody. Uh, I mean, that's a part of medicine that will never go away. It's a heavy weight to bear and it, you're right, it will never go away. And you, you know, the, um, the surgeon's mantra, if you cut, you will cry. That's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's true. I mean, yeah. you, if, if you're in this long enough, you're going to do things that you wish you could take back. And, and as humans, we have to deal with that, uh, in people deal with it in different ways, but in medicine, it, it definitely comes to the forefront. And so in some ways, yeah, maybe that, that does some people turn away from medicine or have such a bad experience with that type of thing that it can, it can, it can scar you. But I think overall, if you have the right perspective, you realize that, that your heart is right, that you're here to help people, and that's, that you're also human. As, as uh, you're saying that, and we're kind of thinking about, let's, let's bring this conversation to the point where people, there's nothing else I want to do but go look at this website. There's no one better to help bring that sense of excitement and anticipation and a little bit of risk taking all of that to our next generations of doctors than you and to your team and to the faculty that's participating in emerge. Uh, and I just, I think it is so wonderful that you're doing this work. I think it fits a need that we as a society have, we need to start to mobilize the talent and motivation and wisdom of the people who are younger than us and who are coming up behind us to take over and to, to turn medicine into whatever they think it should be and to continue to drive this extraordinary profession forward. We opened the conversation where some of the criticisms of medicine that we hear, oh, medicine's changing. Medicine is always changing. There's your breaking news. This profession <laughs> evolves by the month, by the day. We need people who can jump into that and bring flexible, thoughtful, and idealistic enthusiasm to the mix so that this profession continues to soar. And what you're doing and the fact that it's you and your team, I just could not be more excited. Mm. Mark, it's it's great. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. And and as always, I am a huge fan of you. And uh, and I hope we can can uh, continue this conversation throughout. Absolutely. So it's www.emergetheconference.com. That's where people can get up, go to the website, learn about the conference, hopefully sign up. But if they can't go this year, you'll be back in 2019. That's right. That's the plan. Fantastic. Zach Shiner, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.